The PCI Security Standards Council is hosting its annual North America Community Meeting in Vancouver, September 29th through October 1st. The primary topic of discussion? Securing the payments ecosystem, from the EMV fraud liability shift date to the emergence of cryptocurrencies and virtual payments, PCI General Manager Stephen Orfe says this year's community meeting will be anything but void of hot topics to discuss and debate. Today, I'm joined by Orfe, who reviews some of the emerging trends that are garnering attention in the payments arena and highlights takeaways he anticipates to be focal points at this week's event. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Stephen, could you just tell our audience what you think some of the hot topics for next week's community meeting will be? Hey, Tracy, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're really excited going into the North American community meeting. It's going to be really exciting, high energy, and relevant. We're changing up the format. We're moving to a more TED Talk approach. And we'll be talking about the big lessons learned in my first year here at the Council, and the biggest of those being collaboration across the payment ecosystem and then a call for vigilance. We're also going to be speaking to about moving again and moving from a compliance-based mindset to a pragmatic risk-based approach, building risk into the system 24-7. It's not something we do once a week, once a month. It needs to be in the DNA of a company. And consistent with last year and this year and going forward, we're putting the merchant and the acquiring community front and center. You can expect us to have a lot of focus on the SMB, the small and mid-sized business community, and I think we can add tremendous value there. Uh, I'll be talking about our productivity. We published more documentation than ever in the history of the Council in terms of best practices, standards, alerts, guidance to the marketplace, timely and relevant subject matters. A really neat thing is, you know, our focus is going to be just taking risk off the table. And we've worked with the QIR community to do that. And then we'll put out our end game. What's the vision, you know, of our end game and the road ahead? So that's kind of like where the conference is going and points that I'm going to be speaking to directly in my keynote. So, Stephen, talking about risk and some of the documentation that's come out from the council over the last year, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up EMV. With the EMV fraud liability shift date taking place October 1st for U.S. merchants, I suspect that EMV will be a very heavily discussed topic at this North America community meeting. Can you tell us about some of the implications of the fraud liability shift date for Canadian businesses since this is where the event is taking place? Well, as you know, Tracy, the, the Canadian markets moved to EMV years ago. They're well advanced. I think what we're going to see in the U.S. and in Canada is an uptick in fraud in the card not present environment as the U.S. market moves. And so U.S. businesses will be at this event as well. Stephen, what are some of the most concerning issues that U.S. merchants will face after the October 1st liability shift date? You know, with related to EMV, as the merchant base is moving to the new terminals and technology, what's going to be critical here is to get the implementation right. Technology is only as good as the implementation. And we're working very closely with the QIR community, companies like Merchant Association, RSPA, Vantive, Mercury, Verifone, and other companies to get the installation correct. So as the merchant base moves to EMV, that install is done. They can have the confidence, and then we'll see the desired end result, and that is EMV will take counterfeit off the table. 
Stephen, could you talk a bit about how PCI compliance and the migration to EMV fit together or will work in tandem? We're working very closely with our sister organization, EMV Co., on a variety of subjects, not only EMV, but tokenization and encryption and other matters. So I'm actually very encouraged, Tracy. There's some information out in the marketplace that suggests that the market's not moving all that quickly. But let me give you this as a data pointer or something I think about. You know, if you look at the U.S. market, 80% of the transactions run through the top 100 merchants. And those top 100 merchants are already EMV enabled. So that's a lot of risk that we're going to take right off the table. So I'm encouraged by that. I'm also encouraged that the EMV cards now are getting in the mail. They have the value proposition. It's providing clarity to the consumer that our financial institutions are putting out. So, and I think the incentives then kick in October 1, and that will properly motivate both parties at the merchant and the uh, issuing organization. So I, I think we're in a good space. I think we're moving at a very positive rate, and within two years, I would expect the entire U.S. marketplace to be buttoned down with EMV. Stephen, can you talk at all about how PCI scope might be reduced with EMV? So uh, we're looking at how we can facilitate scope reduction. EMV, as I've said in the past and have to say in every public forum, is not a silver bullet. It will deliver on its promise. It will take counterfeit off the table. So for the merchant community, bringing their organization in compliance, having EMV at the point of sale, take significant risk off the table. And then what about complementary technologies such as tokenization and encryption? How critical would you say that these technologies are to be launched in tandem with EMV? So yeah, that's really what we're trying to drive to, Tracy, and that's the end game. So our vision of the end game is you devalue data to make it useless in the hands of criminals, organized crime, and state-funded actors. And we have three technologies that will allow us to do that. EMV at the point of sale, point-to-point -point encryption, and tokenization. And if you install these three technologies properly, you can achieve that end game vision. Take the data off the table, devalue it, make it useless, then the criminals have no reason to break in. Now, Stephen, let's go back to talk about card not present fraud, which you mentioned earlier. We all anticipate that there's going to be an uptick in card not present fraud, but what steps should online and e-commerce merchants be taking in anticipation of these upticks? Well, so it's absolutely right, Tracy, and we've observed in both the European and Asia-Pacific theaters as you successfully deploy EMV, and we'll do that here in the U.S., the fraudsters will migrate to the card not present environment. It's the path of least resistance, so we'll see an uptick there. Authentication will be critical, and protecting data in the back office, tokenization, point-to-point -point encryption, encrypting the data as it comes in and scoring transactions. These are the tools that will be used in the card not present environment. Again, it's about people, process, technology, security is all about layers, and then you've got to have this layered approach using these technologies to defend the cardholder data environment. And then what about phone-related and or mail-order CMP? I think when we talk about CMP, we focus so much on e-commerce, we forget that there are other channels by which card-not-present transactions can be conducted as well. And the mail-order and telephone-order environment, again, it's, it's about 
authentication and ensuring that the person you're doing business with is in fact that person. You know, you can score that transaction. There's a lot of technology available to the merchant community that allows them to do that. And there's flags that they need to pay special attention to where things are being shipped, the dollar amounts, if they have a profile, can they tie the device to that consumer. So there's a lot of technology in that space that makes sense that will help manage that fraud level. Stephen, what about mobile? What are the EMV implications for mobile transactions, and do you see some retailers just bypassing EMV contact chip payments to move right to a contactless payment environment that is facilitated through mobile? Well, you know, Tracy, as you know, and, and certainly for the council, we're going to be very focused on mobile as mobile is the future of payments. And we're putting out best practices we already have for mobile security. We put out best practices for cloud computing. You can expect us to publish updates to those best practices, and then what we'll look to do is course correct until possibly we get to that point where it makes sense to drive a standard. With regard to mobile and EMV and contactless payments, the other thing that's very exciting about the EMV implementation here in the U.S. is as we move to the EMV technology, RFID and NFC comes with it. So it, you'll be able to accommodate those mobile transactions, and in particular, that demographic that you know likes mobile, the younger crowd, if you would. So I think it's all good, and it complements one another. I'd like to go back for just a moment, Stephen, to talk a little bit about some of the, the fraud migration trends that we might see. We've talked about card not present, but do you think we can expect to see more ATM and or pay at the pump related scams, especially given that the fraud liability dates for these terminals is not until October 2016, which is MasterCard's date for ATMs, and October 2017, which is Visa's date for ATMs and self-service pumps? So I think that those dates were put out there very much in mind with fully understanding the technology and these environments and the sophistication of ATMs and the challenge that comes with the gasoline and the petroleum environment. But what I'm witnessing now, Tracy, is uh, I do see there is an uptick in ATM fraud being perpetrated, but I also see the financial institutions moving very swiftly to secure their ATM environments. The petroleum environment, I think, that's going to be an opportunity there for attack, but they're going to have to button that down, and there's no way around it. So we could be looking at an uptick there. As I mentioned in the introduction, Stephen, cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and then other virtual currencies I would anticipate uh, to be a hot topic at this week's meeting. How concerning are these currencies to the PCI constituency? Well, I think that there's going to be a lot of dialogue around that because of the nature of the makeup of the community and all the technologists and security folks there. Uh, we're not going to really focus on the cryptocurrencies at this interval. Our focus uh, remains the payment card data and protecting the payment card information globally. So, Stephen, you mentioned a bit about how the council is working to address some of the threats that are in the current environment. Given the current threat environment, how would you say that the council has shifted its focus to address some of these emerging security risks? 
Well, we've done a number of things, I think, differently and better. And at the very top of that is collaborating and building bridges with different organizations, reaching out to the merchant associations and working with them together, working with the regulatory community to help them understand what we're doing in, in the payment industry and how we're looking to defend and protect. But the other thing is one of our core tenants is getting the information out to the merchant community and in a language that they can get their arms around. We need to remove the InfoSec talk, the payment acronyms, and the law enforcement jargon. So we've had the most productive year in the Council's history, as I mentioned earlier. We've put out tremendous documentation around standards. We've done a best practices for tokenization. We've done a point-to-point -point encryption version 2 standard. We've done card production standards. We've done a PTS standard. We've done malware alert, ATM skimming alerts. We've done provisioning alerts through the law enforcement community. We've worked hand-in-hand uh, -hand with Secret Service and are now working with other law enforcement organizations and intelligence organizations on information sharing. And my whole goal there is information is we've got to be able to take the information, translate it, and make it actionable to the SMB community. And to that end, Tracy, we joined the FSISAC. As you know, the FSISAC is the model ISAC that industry is looking to follow here in the U.S., and that's where all the financial industry comes together and shares information about the attacks that they are seeing real-time being levied against the financial institutions. PCI now has an analyst sitting in on all those calls, and we're trying to discern and translate that information and put it out through our media channels, through social media, through our participating organizations, and all the channels that are available to us so that it is actionable, timely, and relevant. And then, Stephen, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? Like I said, Tracy, we're very excited going into the community meeting. The numbers are approaching uh, 2,000 folks we're expecting in Vancouver. It's going to be high energy. It's going to be a different format. You know, our vision for the council is to be this collaborative force, a trusted source for all payment security matters, and to become a global powerhouse with the agility and support of the entire payment ecosystem. And that's what we're driving for. So it, it's about collaboration. It's about taking risk off the table. It's about getting relevant, timely information to the marketplace. And that's the kind of cadence that we're going to go forward with, and we're going to charge that hill every day. Well, Stephen, I know you're looking forward to a very productive week, and I want to thank you again for your time today. Tracy, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having us. Again, we've just heard from Stephen Orfe of the PCI Council. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.